الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا جعلنا ما على الأرض زينة لها لنبلوهم أيهم أحسن عملا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن لكل أمة فتنة وفتنة أمتي المال وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام سبحان الله ماذا أنزل الله من الخزائن وما أنزل من الفتن أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين يا رب صلي وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزى الله عنا نبينا Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Very often we hear the word fitna. And we use the word as well, especially in the last few years perhaps we have heard this word more often. We have a certain understanding of this word, but what is the actual meaning of this word fitna? So originally in the Arabic language, the word fitna or fatana is used when gold is placed on fire, on the furnace, so that the dirt... And the filth of that gold can come out and the pure will be separated from the alloy. So to separate the pure, the genuine from the fake or from the other, other type of metals, that is what the word fitna is used for. Now bringing it into our context or the context in which we know of it being used. The word fitna and the link that it has to its original usage is that there will be challenges that will come about that will become the acid chest of a person's iman. So just as that gold is separated from the alloy, there will be different situations that will come about that will separate the true iman or the true believers from the fake believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an Majid, أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَن يُتْرَكُوا أَن يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ The same words, fitna. That do people think that they will just claim that we are believers and they will not be put into fitna, they will not be tested, they will not be tried, their iman will not be put through that acid test of iman. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ min qablihim." We tested the people from before, the people of iman before we tested them. فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ This is the end result of that fitna, that those who are true in their iman, that will be clear, will be made clear. And those that were false in their claim of iman, that will also be made clear. So this is the purpose of a fitna. And this is the meaning of a fitna, that there will be various challenges, that will be the acid test of iman. Although not linked to our topic, but linked to the current situation that we find the Muslim Ummah in, the massacre and the genocide that's going on in Gaza, which is impossible for us not to think about and not to discuss. So Allah speaks about in the Quran and Majid after the loss which Sahaba suffered in, in Uhud. That was the greatest loss that Sahaba suffered at that time, the loss in Uhud. Seven Sahaba, 70 Sahaba radiallahu became shaheed. Allah mentions and Allah explains the benefits and the wisdoms behind losses suffered by the ummah. We may think there's no benefit behind it. Allah mentions four benefits and four wisdoms behind the losses which the ummah suffer. And one of those benefits and one of those wisdoms are ease. 
So that the people of Iman, the sincere believers, their Iman will come to the fore. The way those people in Gaza, the way they are standing with such strength of Iman, we wonder whether our Iman can even be considered Iman compared to their Iman. Person losing his whole family, but still saying Alhamdulillah, still saying that I will remain here, I will remain firm. That level of Iman, when a test of this nature comes, when fitna comes, then that iman comes to the fore. And that is, what is the purpose of fitna? It's an asset test of iman. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has warned us in many ahadith, which we have heard, we hear every now and again, that there will be definitely fitnas that you would face, especially coming closer to qiyamah. The fitnas will increase. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned in hadith, Badiru bil a'mali fitanan muslim That hasten to a'mal, hasten to do good deeds. Why? Fitanan muslim There will be fitnas, there will be trials, there will be acid tests of iman. And how they will come? muslim Like the parts and portions of a dark night, as the night only increases in darkness. So first there's darkness and it gets later and it becomes darker and it gets later and it, get, it becomes darker. In the similar manner, these fitnas, these tests of iman will become even more difficult, even more intense and more intense. As we approach qiyamah, it's the intensity of these fitnas are only going to be on the increase. And this is what Rasulullah that resembled it too. Like the portions of a dark night, and what will happen? What will happen in those fitnas? Again, we said that the fitna is an acid test of iman. So what will happen? Some people will make the grade in their iman. And some people, Allah forbid, Allah save us, will fall. They won't make the grade. Nabi Islam says, A person in the morning will have iman. By the evening, he would have lost his iman. Why that test of iman he failed? And because of that, he lost his iman. At times, the person may have iman at night, by the morning he has lost his iman. Today, a common thing that we hear from different people, especially younger youngsters, we want to go and fight. We want to go there, give us the permission to go. First of all, if a person really wants to go, he won't wait for permission. But nevertheless, that's something which is common. What we need to understand, in these type of crunch situations, it is not muscle power that counts. It is not fire power that counts. It is imani power that counts. And we're seeing it. An ill-equipped, unorganized army. You can't even call them an army. But they are standing up in front of the superpowers of the time. With what? With imani power. They themselves can't understand how that small handmade or homemade, backdoor-made rocket can blow up a hundred dollar, hundred million dollar tank. How is that happening? That is that asset test of Iman. And, or the test of Iman, or the Iman that they have. And in many situations, in the Quran we will find certain examples, and in history we will find, that in different battles, before the battle there was an asset test of Iman. Allah speaks about the incident of Talut and Jalut. Long incident, again we are moving off our topic. But just because of the pertinence and relevance of this point, Allah speaks about that army, those people. They wanted to fight. 
They told the Nabi, they told the Nabi, Ibaas lana malak malikan nuqatil fi sabirillah. Give us a leader, we want to fight in the path of Allah. Today we say, we are the Muslim leaders, we want to go. So the Nabi told them, Hal asaytum in kutiba alaykum al-qital wa Allah tuqatilu. It's possible that if Allah makes it obligatory upon you to fight, you won't go and fight. He said, what you mean? Why we won't go and fight? These people are invading our houses, they're killing our children, why we won't? Allah says, فَلَمَّا كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقِتَالُ تَوَلَّوْا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِّنْهُمْ When that command finally came, most of them turned away. What was it that made them turn away? Later on, after one page, Allah speaks about it. That Allah gave them a test. They were thirsty, there was a river. You can only take one sip of water, not more than that. And most of them failed that test. What was that test? That test wasn't the test of muscles. It wasn't the test of, of, of military might. It was the test of restraint. That restraint dependent on the level of iman that you have. If I have iman, it's the command of my Allah I must restrain. If I can't restrain at that time, unfortunately I'm not going to make the grade. No matter how prepared and how equipped I may be, my iman is not of that level. So this, these are these acid tests of iman that will come. And as we said closer to Qiyamah, these tests of iman, these fitnas will continue to increase, not only increase, they will intensify. But obviously the beauty of our deen, Rasulullah has given us guidelines, has taught us how we immunize ourselves and we protect ourselves from these fitnas. The fitnas are going to come. How do we immunize ourselves and protect ourselves? So among the various other ways that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained and taught us, one of the very important ones, we can say perhaps the most, one of the most effective immunizers is the Suratul Kahf. Suratul Kahf, which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has encouraged us to recite every Friday. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam explains that this becomes a means of immunizing a person. It protects a person and it saves him from various fitnas. Even the worst fitna that the world will ever see. And that is the fitna of Dajjal. This person who holds on to the surah, inshallah he will be protected from that fitna. And inshallah over the next five, over the next five, four jumuahs, the important incidents from the surah will be discussed. And then inshallah we will understand the link between the surah and protection from fitnas. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ قَرَأَ السُّورَةَ الْكَهْفِ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ فَهُوَ مَعْصُومٌ إِلَىٰ ثَمَانِيَةِ أَيَّامٍ مِنْ كُلِّ فِتْنَةٍ تَكُونَ That person who recites Surah Al-Kahf on a day of Jumu'ah, then this person becomes protected. He becomes immune from every fitna that will happen for eight days. Eight days he has immunization. And then before that eight days expire, the next Friday he takes a booster injection. And he reads his Suratul Kahf again. And then he gets another eight days of immunization. So Nabi Islam says that this person will be immunized, he will be protected from every fitna that would take place. And going on, Nabi Islam says, even if the worst fitna, and that is the fitna of the Jal has to appear, فَإِنْ خَرَجَتْ دَجَّالُ عُسِمَ مِنْ If Dajjal has to make his appearance in those eight days, this person will be immune, immunized from Dajjal also. 
he will be protected from Dajjal also. In another hadith, Rasulullah even went to this extent, that if you end up encountering Dajjal, if you end up standing face, face to face with Dajjal, first obviously you should try and avoid him, totally avoid him. But if the situation is such, and you are in front of Dajjal, what you should do? Nabi says, Then recite the opening verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Maybe you won't be able to read the whole Surah Al-Kahf at that time. Even the opening verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Therefore the ulama explain that if a person cannot find the time, or for some reason he cannot recite the entire Surah Al-Kahf on a, on a Friday, on the day of Jumu'ah, then at least he should recite the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf. Recite the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf. In fact, some of our senior ulama are advising that on a daily basis we should make it a habit to recite the first 10 verses of Surah Al-Kahf. Although the hadith speaks about reciting it on the day of Jumu'ah, but because of the intensity of fitnas today, it's good for us to recite the first 10 verses at least on a daily basis. Now, how does the surah protect a person? How does it immunize a person? Nabi Salaam said it gives us that immunity. It gives us that protection. But what in the surah is so powerful that it gives us the protection? So one brief answer to this is that when a person holds firm to the surah, then this surah creates within him an imani strength. And that imani strength thereafter protects him and immunizes him from the various fitnas. But there is a hidden or more, a more deeper meaning to it, or a more deeper reason to it. There was a very great scholar in the recent past, Mufakkirul Islam, or Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimahullah. He was known as the great thinker of Islam. Allah had blessed him with deep understanding of the Quran and Majid, and he had vast knowledge with regards to history. So normally when a person understands history, then he understands the rise and falls of nations, what were the causes for that, etc. And then his analysis generally is much more accurate. And then together with that was his deep understanding of the Qur'an and Majid. So he says, as a young boy, my mother always made me recite Surah Al-Kahf on a Friday. And let us make it a habit that Surah Al-Kahf be recited in our homes. When our children reach that age that they can recite Surah Al-Kahf, then we ensure that they recite Surah Al-Kahf. So he says, as a young boy, I grew up reciting Surah Al-Kahf. But then as I grew up and I studied deen, etc., then I began to think that why did Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa tell us to recite Surah Al-Kahf and what's the link between Surah Al-Kahf and protection from fitnas? What's the link between Surah Al-Kahf and protection from the fitna of Dajjal? So he says, as I pondered over the surah, then I found a common theme in the surah. There is one theme that runs across the entire surah. Apart from the other messages, there is this common message from the beginning right till the end. And there are four main incidents that are contained in the surah. This common theme runs through all these incidents as well. And what is the theme that he speaks about? The theme is, اَقْتِرَاءُ بَيْنَ imani wal maddiya. The clash, the struggle between faith and materialism. The struggle between iman, belief in the unseen, and materialism, believing what you see before you. Believing what the dunya can offer you. That is on one hand. 
and the other is iman in akhirat, iman in the ghayb. So he says that this is the common theme of the surah. And fitnas, as we get closer to qiyamah, then the nature of fitna will be, that fitna will be inviting a person to seeing is believing. Only what you see before you, that is what success is. So, the wealth that you can see, the money that you can see, that is success. I earned so much, so much came in my account, that is success. That is, I have gained something. But I gave sadaqah, so much went out of my account. I can't see the benefit in that. But Nabi Islam is telling me, ma naqasat sadaqatum min malin. That sadaqah will never decrease your wealth. But I'm seeing that the figures are gone low. The bank balance is gone low. But Nabi Islam is saying, ma naqasat sadaqatum min mal. So to have this belief in the unseen, that our belief in the unseen is more than our belief than what we can see before us. That is the struggle. The struggle of iman on one side and the struggle of materialism. The whole world today, the push of the western world, the drive and the thrust of the western world, is believe what you can see. Dunya is your success. It's the benchmark of success. How much of progress you make in material, that will dictate how much, how successful you are in life. There's no concept like a being, a supreme being. There is no concept like something beyond what we can see. But our deen and our iman is based on yu'minuna bil ghayb. That we believe in the unseen. So throughout history, there was always the struggle. The struggle between iman on one side, and iman will also mean, will mean iman in the unseen, and then material, dunya before us, that struggle. And in all these four incidents, inshallah in the next few, next four weeks, when these incidents are explained, and the link between these incidents and this common theme, we will understand this amazing point. And now how does this become a, become a means of protection? Because, let us understand before we go on, that there are two ways that people look at this world. Anything in this world, there are two views, there are two perspectives, there are two approaches to the world. One is the approach of a person who is materialistic in his mind. So everything, what I can see before me. So he believes, he sees the world, and the world works, how it works, cause and effect. So this thing happened, it's hot today, so I'm feeling cold, I'm feeling hot. Because the sun is out, I'm feeling hot. The aircon is on, that's why I'm feeling cool. So cause and effect. The whole world is only following the system of cause and effect. So for them and for the world, minus Iman, all our confidence is placed on the cause and the cause will bring the effect. So if, the, if I have money, I'll be able to buy things. If I buy things, I will have a happy life and I'm successful. So cause and effect, if the cause is not there, the effect can't be there. And if the cause is there, the effect has to be there. That is the, this is the materialistic mind. But an Imani mind is different. That this cause can only bring about the effect if Allah allows it to bring about the effect. If Allah doesn't allow the effect to be there, the effect won't be there. So for Ibrahim wasalam, we know fire burns. Allah removed the burning ability from that fire. That fire didn't burn him. Now what is that? That is that supreme being that is in control of that cause. 
And that's the difference between a mu'min and a person who does not believe in a God. A person who does not believe in an Allah. For him, if the cause is there, the effect will definitely be there. For us, it's something else. There is another being that is in control of everything. Another being that is in control of everything. Another simple example, a common example, the example of sustenance, of wealth, of rosy. So now, the materialistic mind will be, if I have a good business, I will make money. If I have a good business, I will make money. But that imani mind, he understands that it is only Allah that will allow those customers to come to the shop. You can have everything, the best prices, the best type of adverts, the best type of, 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 of display. But if Allah doesn't want those customers to come there, it's not going to come there. Those customers are not going to come there. Sometimes it happens, you may go to a certain place. There's two, two shops selling the same thing. Two shops selling the same thing. Allah puts it in your heart to walk in one shop. Now what, how did that happen? That is that being who is in control of this whole system. Yes, Allah uses the system. The system of cause and effect, Allah uses the system. But the system is completely in His control. He is the one who puts that effect in it. If He removes the effect, it can't do anything. But then, that materialistic mindset is, we believe totally cause and effect. When the cause is there, the effect has to be there. And they remove the concept of a supreme being. They remove an Allah from the equation. Therefore what happens? These people become atheists. They don't believe in the concept of a God. Why? Because everything is what they can see before them. Now that is the fitna. And that is the effort. Going closer to Qiyamah, everything, the effort is made on this. And that Jal will be the, the pinnacle of all of that. The fitna of the Jal will be the pinnacle of this, of materialism, of cause and effect. He will show certain things. To make people believe certain things. But Allah removes that effect of it. For example, Nabi Salaam explained that he will have a he will have a Jannah and a Jahannam. He will have a nice cool garden and he will have a fire. Or you'll have some water and fire. And a person who his whole life he believed in cause and effect. He was materialistic in his mindset. He will say, hey, this is something cool, let me jump into this. But that will actually be the fire. That which looked like it was cool, that was the fire. And that which looked like it's burning, it's a fire, that is actually Jannah. Nabi Salaam says, if you dare what you must do, you must jump in the fire. Because the fire is actually that which is cool. Now the person who believed in material, the person who only believes seeing is believing. I'm seeing the fire here, how can I jump in the fire? That's what his mind will tell him. But there's another, another whole system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this will be the fitna of Dajjal. Then Dajjal will come to a nation. Nabi Salaam speaks about in the hadith. He will come to some people. He will tell them, believe in me. So they will refuse. By the next morning, they will be completely bankrupt. Not a single cent. All their wealth is gone. Now if a person is materialistic in his mindset, he'll say, I'm losing money. Let me just believe in him. And then another group he will go to. And they, he will tell them, believe in me. They will believe in, he, they will believe in him. And then, Allah will give him that power. At that time, Allah will give him that power that he will bring the rain to them. It will begin to rain where the animals are grazing. When the animals come back from the pastures, the animals are full, full and fat. Why? Allah allowed that to happen. But this was that fitna. That fitna of materialism. 
If a person's whole focus is only wealth, if a person's whole focus is only what he can see before him, then this person is going to fall for the fitna of Dajjal. Therefore in the surah, Allah breaks this whole concept from the beginning. Allah says, إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا That whatever you see on the earth, مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ Everything that is here, what is this? It is just some adornment, some beautification of this world. It's nothing. It's just the adornment and beautification of this world. And Allah says, لِنَبْلُوَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا That this whole thing is a fitna. This whole dunya that you see before you, it's a test to see who is best in action. So you have to use this dunya to earn your akhirat. That is a person who has an imani mindset. He will understand that I will use the world. Not that I'm going to divorce myself from the world. I have to live in this world. But I will live in this world and I will use this world as a means of gaining my akhirat. But a person who believes in material, then he will become so consumed in this material. Then all his focus will be on the material. Then his whole confidence will be on the material. And then now he will remove the concept of Allah. He will forget about a life after death. Although we may say that we believe in akhirat, the question that we need to ask ourselves, how convinced am I about akhirat? Belief is there, but how convinced I am about akhirat? If I am convinced about akhirat, then my behavior will be different. My thinking will be different. My priorities will be different. Everything will be different. And as we're explaining, that when we go closer to qiyamah, this fitna, this trial, the acid test of iman, which will be the fitna of wealth, the fitna of materialism, the fitna of seeing is believing. Believe what you can see in front of you. Forget, na'udhu billah, forget that there's something like akhirat. Forget the concept of a supreme being, which is the whole drive of the western and modern world today, which is the whole drive of the atheistic mentality. That remove the concept of akhirat from the mind. Remove the concept of a be or the belief in a supreme being. This will be the whole drive. That jal will be the pinnacle of it. When we read the surah, understand the surah, this surah will focus our minds. It will, it will realign us. It will put our alignment in, in place. Where our focus must be. Our focus must be akhirat. Our focus must be iman. So the, in the, one of the first ayat of the surah is, إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَا الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا This whole world, everything here is just a means of adornment and beautification. And the end of the surah, Allah ends up the surah, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا That that person who hopes to meet his Allah. That's where we're going. The person who hopes to meet his Allah, فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Then he should do good deed. So from the beginning, right till the end, throughout the surah, even in between these incidents, the incidents will be explained, but in between these incidents, وَلَا تُطِعْمَنْ أَخْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ عَنْ ذِكْرِنَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَا Don't follow that person who has become negligent of, of us, and he is following his desires. Allah speaks about Al-Malu Wal-Banuna Zinatul Hayati Dunya that wealth and children are the adornment of this worldly life. Those actions that will continue, 
those actions that will continue, whatever the nature of the actions may be, whether it be our salah, our five times salah, on a daily basis, Alhamdulillah, our masajid are full, on the day of Jumu'ah, as our one Ustad mentioned so beautifully, he says that so many masajid, are having kunut nazila every morning in Fajr, but there's hardly anyone to say Ameen to that kunut. So we want that, we want the change to happen, but we're not there when the dua is being made. The dua is being made, we're sleeping. And we expect that the change is going to happen. That, re- that, that revolution will happen. And the help of Allah will happen. Respected friends, those people are giving the ultimate sacrifice. They're sacrificing their lives. Small sacrifice on our part. At least wake up from our, our, from our beds. It's so hot nowadays too, we can't see the cozy bed. So sometimes the person is feeling hot in the bed. Wake up from our beds. Come to the masjid for Fajr Salah. And similarly all our other Salah. And then we will see how we will draw the help of Allah. Coming back to this ayat and we will conclude. Allah says that all of this is just the adornment of this world. وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتِ Those good deeds which will remain. Wealth is not going to remain. Material is not going to remain. Something which is a perpetual investment. That is al-baqiyatu salihat The good deeds which will continue. Allah says, خَيْرٌ ثَوَابًا وَخَيْرٌ amala. It's better in terms of profit. When a person is investing his money, is looking ROI, return on investment. 8% or too little, I need a 12% return on investment. We're only worried about the return on the investment. Allah is saying you want return on investment. al-baqiyatu salihat Those actions which will continue... There will be no end. That investment will never fall. It will never crash. No one can do a pull a job there. That investment is going to continue. خَيْرٌ إِنْدَ رَبِّكَ ثَوَابًا It's far better in terms of profit. وَخَيْرٌ amala. You want to place your hopes on and aspirations on anything. A person feels, you know what? I got my investment. I can retire at 60 and then I will be satisfied. And he reaches that age and he realizes he can't live off that money. Or something has happened to that. Now he placed his hope on it. But his hopes have been broken. Allah says you want to place your hope. Don't place your hope on material. It's definitely going to fail you. Where you must place your hope? Khairun amala. Place your hope on things relating to akhirat. Efforts of akhirat. This is where you place your hope. So just again to recap. The surah is a means. Surah Al-Kaf is a means of protection from fitna. One of the greatest fitnas. And as we come closer to Qiyamah, the greatest trial of Dajjal is the fitna of materialism, the fitna of wealth, the fitna of seeing is believing. This surah, the common theme in this surah is belief in akhirat. Focus on akhirat. Belief in the unseen. When a person recites the surah on a weekly basis, and inshallah we make that intention to recite the surah on a weekly basis, understanding the message of the surah, it will create within us that imani mindset. And inshallah through these, this imani mindset, we will be able to manage the various trials and tests, the various fitnas. And Allah forbid, if we have to meet the jal, then inshallah we will be immunized and we will be protected from the fitna of the jal. Inshallah over the next four jumuahs, the four different incidents of the surah will be discussed. And then the link between these four incidents and the common theme. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with a true understanding. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa mawlana Muhammad wa alihi wa sallam.